the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Our communion message uh, this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And as I mentioned last Sunday, we're going to piggyback this message from what we did last Sunday. We're talking about um, a portion of the the Sermon on the Mount that that deals uh, with uh, humility. Humility is a big part of worship. Now remember, God only accepts a broken spirit and a contrite heart. So it's good for us to see the things that, that, that gets in the way of true and wise worship. The title of the message is Poverty of the Heart. We're going to look at what biblical prosperity really means. And we're going to Matthew chapter 6, which is the quintessential main passage of scriptures that deals with this thing called prosperity. Okay, It's a much bigger word than we associate uh, with it. Uh, it's a much bigger concept in the Bible than simply how we associate uh, that word with, you know, so much of the material things that we see. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Father, we thank you for the, the freedom to worship. We are celebrating Independence Day, and, and even the world out there uh, clamors for what it means to be free. And we know that true freedom only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that freedom and independence uh, comes with a price. And, and as, as, as free as we are, we are bond servants. We are slaves of Christ. And today we're grateful because uh, we belong to the household of faith. We're grateful this morning for the freedom that we have to do your will. And to be people of faith, to be people of determined will to please you and to obey you as you establish your reign and rule in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, so much for the freedom that we still have to come together and worship you without fear of um, persecution. But we know, oh God, that uh, whatever comes our way, our, our freedom comes from the Holy Spirit. And for that, we're grateful this morning. Thank you, Lord, and bless this time together in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. We had a privilege of visiting uh, the Holy Land a few years ago. And one of the places we visited was this church called the Church of the Annunciation. It's a magnificent cathedral, huge, big structure, beautiful. And when you go inside, you know, it's one of these places where you're just in awe of the architecture. You're just in awe of the, the murals, the paintings, the artwork, the sculptures. I mean, you're just in awe of all of that. It's a beautiful place to visit. And, and within the walls of this great cathedral lies a chapel. It's a little chapel inside a cathedral. And that's common with these holy sites in, in the Holy Land. You know, there, there's a structure, a church on top of those things. And when you go in there, you'll see this little chapel, and there's a stairway that goes down to a place where there's this little altar. And behind an altar is, is a shrine which looks like a cave with a dirty floor. It's just some, some gravel structures, some rock structures. And some pieces of broken wood. That was the spot where the angel Gabriel announced to the Virgin Mary, Hail, blessed one. Hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. For you shall bear a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And he will reign, and his kingdom will have no end. Little dirty shrine. Looks like a cave. Looks like it hasn't been visited in a million years. And yet, millions of people come to that cathedral, come to that big structure. Not for the paintings, not for the architecture, not for the great design and decoration, not for the expensive structure that it was, but for that little shrine that looks like nothing. That's a metaphor for a heart of worship. God is not looking at Anything that we have to put on the table, he's looking at our heart. And that heart has to be a place of humility. That, that heart has to be where, uh, the place where Jesus dwells. God, God could care less about how strong we are physically, how much money we have, amen, how much success we have, how much, uh, you know, material blessings we have, how much brains we have, how smart we are. Those are great things. But when God looks at us, He's looking at that shrine, that gravel, that dirty floor type simple place where His presence is real. That is a metaphor for a humble, humble heart and a contrite heart. That magnificent structure was great. It was nice to see. But people don't flock and line up to see all of that. They wanted to see the place where God visited humanity. So this morning, a message is very simple. It's a communion message, so we have to expect something like this. God doesn't care this morning about what you and I represent. 
He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about how great a pedigree you have. All right? Pastor, I came from a long line of GQ models. Doesn't care. I came from a long line, Pastor, of Sports Illustrated magazine covers. Models. Doesn't care about that. I am from a family of high social position. He cares about none of that. He doesn't care about what we represent. He cares about who we represent. Biblical prosperity has nothing to do with what the world thinks of prosperity. Again, material wealth, good health, success, power, influence, all of these things is comprised in our understanding of the word prosperity. When you talk about a prosperous person, you're talking about not just material, but you're talking about an entire, the entirety of a person's being. And that's an important aspect to recognize when it comes to worship. True and biblical prosperity is the function of the heart. We saw that explicitly last Sunday in the story of the rich young ruler, ruler, a person who had everything. He even had righteousness. And Jesus loved him but told him, you're lacking something. You lack the heart of a worshiper. You know, you have come here this morning and I have come here this morning because I want to validate the fact that I have a heart of worship. That's why you're here. Did you know that worshiping is the only thing you can give back to God? Everything else God gives to us, amen? The good health that you have, that's why you're here. The, the ability to have a car, to come to church and all of that, that's all from God. All the things that, that, that we have comes from God. But what is God looking for when we come here? He's looking at that shrine in there where Jesus is seated, where Jesus is Lord. So, so this, this view, our view of what a prosperous life is, is central to our heart of worship. Now, I know some people reject this because we have been inundated. We live in North America. We're rich. You think you're not rich? Oh, pastor, I'm not rich. I live in my car. Look somewhere else in the world. Our people don't even have anything than, you, than what we have. You know? So, so, so this, this concept of prosperity that we have here in our part of the world is so much different from you know, even the rest of the world. So it's, it's up to us to really understand what, what this biblical prosperity is and how it relates to wise worship. This is one of the central themes of the Sermon on the Mount. One of the central themes of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we touched on this just a little bit last week. Without humility... We can have everything we want. We can be whoever we want. But without the heart of worship, the heart that is contrite before God, it's meaningless. Worship is meaningless. That's why as a Christian, as Christians, we don't celebrate Pride Month. We celebrate Humility Month. And that's why you're here and the celebration of humility is not a monthly thing or whatnot. It's an everyday reality in our hearts. When we talk about humility in, in, in terms of prosperity, those are two contrasting things. And, and Jesus is very clear about this in his teaching. And, and, and uh, 
Humility is to be able to, to, to see Jesus, for people to see Jesus in us, uh, in, in His humility. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, the Bible commands us to have the mind of Jesus. To be humble like Jesus, who in being nature, God did not consider being equality with God something to be grasped, but He offered Himself as a servant. Even going to the cross as a servant. And that's how he was exalted. We could never preach that enough. We could never understand that enough because that is at the heart of worship. Jesus was honored. Jesus was exalted not because of the great things that he has done, but because of his humility. And that's a big deal. So let's take a look at our passage in Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to pay attention very, very um, clearly to what was being expounded here by, by Jesus. Beginning with verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, you are, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now listen to this next verse and underline it somewhere. It says, If then the light within you is darkness. Isn't that a contradictory term? How can light and darkness mix? But Jesus says, If the light in your heart is darkness. Listen. How great is that darkness? What's he talking about there? People today have this problem of making what is good bad. All right? If you look at the rhetoric that people have today, if you look at our world today, what we as Christians consider evil, the world is now considering good. Name it. Jesus knew too well that the human heart is fallen and it's capable of turning darkness into light, accepting what is evil and saying it is good. We're, we are at one point guilty of that. How many of you have justified a sin that you and I shouldn't really justify? But we find a hundred and million excuses to say, oh, well, but pastor, if I just... And then we go on and on and on making the excuses of why we engage in things that we're not supposed to. That is a heart that wants to take what is darkness and turn it into light. And Jesus warns about that because it impacts the way a person sees the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus. How we ought to worship God could never be dictated by our own understanding. God demands the way he should be worshipped. We have never been given the freedom to worship God in our own terms. 
Only God can determine in what terms we will worship Him. And some of the ways and means that Jesus says we ought to worship Him, sometimes our flesh contradicts. God, I just can't do that. You must. I must. Because that's how God established the way we ought to worship. If you don't believe me, just read the Old Testament. You know how the people of Israel was instructed by God to worship? Come on. Not only are they going to erect a temple according to the measurement that God says, 100 cubits here, 5,000 cubits there, and they need to follow it to the T. If they don't, their worship is not acceptable. Aren't you thankful to Jesus, by the way, right now? I'm thankful I don't have to bring a goat to bring the worship. All of that was given was, was fulfilled by Jesus. All the law that, that, that represented worship was fulfilled by Jesus. But the spirit of that command to worship remains today. We don't get to worship God in our own terms. And that's why Jesus says, if the light that is in your heart is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's the ultimate sin as far as I'm concerned. Saying what Jesus said is bad and saying that it's good. And I leave it up to you which ones... <laughs> He means, all right? And then, and then he, he goes on and says, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. No one. That's a commandment, by the way. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the word money there, the word that was used actually is the word mammon. And mammon, guess what? Mammon is a Syrian demon god, the god of riches. So Jesus was just talking about, not just talking about, oh, you cannot serve God and money. It covers that. But what he's really saying is you cannot serve God and the pursuit of this prosperity that the world is asking you to pursue. And we're going to learn exactly what Jesus means by that. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make sure that the heart is in the right place when it comes to worship. And one thing that prevents people from truly rising up to that level of worship was they get distracted by the things that, they, that we want for ourselves. And that's the spirit of prosperity. Prosperity is a good word as it applies to the soul and the heart of man. But as it applies to the world, that's a terrible thing. I heard one preacher says, you know, money is a wonderful servant but a horrible master. That is very true, by the way. Okay? Worship has a lot to do with perception. There is a power in visual perception. What we see has the power to excite us or depress us. What we see has the power to make us enthusiastic, make the heart enthusiastic or make the heart skeptical. The eye is a judge. Whether we like it or not, the eye judges. And the eye that judge rules on what the heart desires or what the heart Condemns. This is true. Okay? Do you know that you can assess a person for the first time you meet them? Within seconds, you can make an assessment of that person. You can make a judgment on the person. We don't admit it, but we do. First time you meet someone, within a few seconds, you already determine in your head if they're ugly, 
or beautiful, if they're skinny or fat, if they're tall or short, if they're rich or poor. We make these judgments already and we've only met the person five seconds. So the eye is a judge and worship has a lot to do with perception. What the eye sees directly impact how the heart responds. That's why Jesus said these words, okay? That's why Jesus made this commandment. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Why so harsh, Jesus? Why are you so hard on the eyes? If, you're, if, if your eyes causes you to sin, pluck it out. Why? Because it impacts the heart. And when the heart is impacted, worship is impacted. Because it, it judges. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, be very careful how you help the poor. Give me a break. Why do I need to be careful about helping the poor? Jesus said that as a warning because people like you and I would like to be seen doing these good things to other people. And it goes to the heart of what Jesus says. Your heart has to be humble before God. And if you do these good things, it has to be done in secret because the heart is deceitful. Above all, Believe it's going to start making sense when it comes to this whole thing about worship and how it deals with how the heart boasts based on what it sees. Nothing damages our worship of God than how we see or view this thing called prosperity. Our heart must be in harmony with God's character and nature and will. Otherwise, our worship is at best misdirected and at worst meaningless. So we will look at what Jesus said about how to worship wisely in light of what we see and, and, the, and that perception that we have of what we want rather than what God wants us to be when it comes to worshiping Him. Just a couple of things, a couple of three things this morning about uh, words about wise worship, wholehearted worship. Number one, based on our text, based on our passage this morning, let's take a look at this first principle right here. There is there are principles within this passage in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that we must unpack a little bit so that we can have a little bit of an understanding of what, what's really going on here. First principle this morning, based on our text, is that there are two commandments, but there only should be one heart to follow those two commandments. Two commandments for one heart to follow. Look at verse 19 again. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's the first commandment when it comes to worship. Okay? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's commandment number one. Not to store up treasures on earth. Now, that's not a prohibition on having possessions, by the way. Okay? Jesus is not saying... Ah, don't, don't buy this, don't buy that, or don't own a house, or don't buy a car. None of that. It has nothing to do with that. Remember, this is about the heart. Okay, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because it's going to be taken from you anyway. It's going to be removed from you. It has no really lasting value if you store these things, in, especially in, the, in, in material things. I mean, how many things can we keep in terms of the natural, in terms of the temporal? 
Do you think you're going to be able to, to, to keep everything that you possess when you die? I mean, the old cliche is true. You will never see a hearse towing a U-Haul. I told my wife, when you put me on that casket, make sure that my blazer has no pockets. Right? We know that. Would, you, do you think you, you can hang on to that good looks forever? Uh, Chuck is saying, yeah, man. I'm hanging on to it. All right. Do you think that youthful energy will stay? No, what Jesus was saying is, you can't keep anything in this world, so you can't store up things. You, you, you cannot base your worship based on what you see is God blessing you. You know, in North America, when we say we're blessed, we're always talking about, I'm blessed with everything. Good looks, health, wealth, all of these. That's our perception. And Jesus was very adamant about saying, don't, don't do that. The first commandment of worship is this. Don't put a lot of stock on these things. Treasures on earth. We value these things very highly. We worship them. Oh, pastor, I don't worship. Yes, we do. Jesus wouldn't have said it. We do. And, and the first thing to do is to come clean, right? To come clean. You know that God wants us to, to worship him with abandon. No reservations. You know, just with abandon. And I'm not saying we don't offer God the very best of our lives in terms of what we can give. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is God is looking at that that shrine in a person's heart that is broken before him. That is not much, but it honors his presence. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.